0: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I'm here with Peter McGinnis, who is the Chief Marketing and Commercial Officer for Chibani. Peter, hi, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, how are you? Happy to um, be here.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy that you could join me today. I am you know, very, very curious right off the bat, if you could share with everyone what it means to be a Chief Marketing and Commercial Officer.
1: I'll let you know when I figure it out. Um, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding with you. you know, listen, I think it's a CMO. It's basically a CMO that has full sales and innovation responsibility. That's the commercial piece of it. And um, at Jibani, you know, we created a, a demand department, a demand creation department, if you will. And there used to be many, many different silos and departments that are now one. So we used to have an insights department and a category management uh, specialty and a sales department and a marketing department and an advertising department and a product innovation and an NPD department. And it kind of just struck us one day that we do a lot of things in a very modern way. And we're very agile and we're quick to market and we're values based and we challenge the big guys. Um and we're a food pioneer and we're fighting the food revolution. And yet a lot of our structure seemed legacy to us. So that was piece one. Piece two was we always like to be on the forefront and we always like to do what makes sense, not do what others do. And so it just kind of made it sense to us to put all that together in one department to go create demand. And I think modern demand creation is different than it used to be. And it requires different skill sets, a higher degree of, you know, integration and more upstream collaboration. And so we said, we're going to put all this under one roof and we're just going to go create content. We're going to go create products. We're going to sell better than we ever have. Um, And so hence the demand creation department that I run. And so marketing always, and these are generalizations, uh, but they're very, very true. And I think, you know, a lot of people that listen to this that are in bigger companies can can relate, but, you know, marketing folks want to do more brand building efforts and want to try to command a premium for the products and salespeople have the reality of trying to increase distribution and dealing with tough customers and buyers. And dealing with price pressure, and difficult terms and conditions, and there's always this comp- there's this competitiveness between the two, and and salespeople also always complain about um, not being in the loop on the advertising or not seeing it soon enough and not being in, be able to use it to sell in, or not knowing the products well enough, or their voice not being heard in the advertising development, or the packaging development, or the product development. This takes care of everything because we're all doing demand creation in an integrated way upstream. And it's, it's interesting. It's not perfect. And and I want to be clear about that. I'm proud of what we did and it's a work in progress and so far so good because we're growing double digits in a category that's declining. And as you know, as most of us know, you know, the food business in general if you can squeeze out one to three percent growth, you consider yourself lucky. This is what we did. It's a work in progress, and the early signs and signals are really good. Um, but we're still, you know, evolving, and we're still, you know, working this through because it's only been six months. But so far, so good. And and I urge and encourage people to try their own version of this. Right? It was easier for us because we're a 10-year young company and we're private. We didn't have a lot of legacy. The demand creation unit was more of a building exercise than it was a tear down exercise. And I recognize that's not the same for everyone and my other CMO colleagues that might be in bigger companies that have been around longer, but you could do your own version of it and you can start small.
0: Yeah. So I have so many questions for you. I don't even know where to start. I remember back in the day when I was in CPD, uh, there were the annual national sales meetings, where everybody would come together for like two days, and it'd be like blitz learning what is everybody doing on either side, and then you'd all go away again. I think a lot of people are familiar with that model, but how does it how does it actually work, Peter? I mean, now that everybody's together under one department, you know, are they sitting side by side? Are you having you know cross functional meetings? How, how do you actually take that first step to to get to more of an integrated approach?
1: Yeah, so there's no need for cross-functional meetings anymore because we work cross-functionally. And, and it was one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, let's have the cross-functional alignment call. It's like, what does that mean? Excuse me? It's <laughs> 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 drive me crazy. There's no need. There's no need. It's how we work. It's how we're working day in and day out. And we're all together, to answer your question. We have a whole floor, and we all work on the same floor. And it gets crazy. But it's good crazy. Um, and there's left brain, right brain, highly analytical, highly creative. There's literal, there's conceptual people. And it's just one big melting pot. It's fantastic. And at first, I don't think salespeople were ready to be inside the hot dog factory on advertising creation. I don't think the advertising people really liked the salespeople commenting on it. Right? It was like <laughs> clients. And, and, but we powered through it. And, and so now everybody's just more in the loop and more knowledgeable about each other's crafts and about the business. And the end result is a ton of pride in what we're selling and making. And that's more convincing and compelling when we go out to sell, right? I mean, this is all to aid and abet growth. And so, look, I I love me a national sales meeting, right? They're fun, right? And you wheel out all the tricks and, and, and it's highly produced and you get everyone pumped up. By the way, we still do those because those are just fun. But in the old model, that would be the only time we got together to share things. And people would forget half of what was shared because it was all crammed into two days. And then you went back to your respective offices and you didn't get a full understanding of, of what all that was. Right? You got a very cursory understanding of what it was. Then you went back into your respective offices and your respective jobs and just got on with it, and it never really sunk in, right? So I don't think cross-functional alignment meetings or annual sales meetings um, cut it, frankly, um, in terms of the optimal conditions to grow. And again, that's my two cents. And everything I'm saying here is this is what we do. There's no right or wrong way. Right. Everyone has their own structures and their own processes, their own, you know, and their own heritage and way of doing things. I'm just sharing what we do and and what's good about it and what's a work in progress about it and and what's difficult about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really cool idea having flashbacks to the amount of effort that was put into preparing for these big two day sessions, you know, once a year it's just a huge amount of work to prepare to talk to each other. And if you can actually just naturally have those conversations on a daily and ongoing basis, um, it seems to be very efficient. So hats off. That's a very cool move you made.
1: And, it, you know, it is very efficient, but it's very inspiring. We're inspiring each other through how we work. And how we work is in a highly integrated manner on a day-to-day basis and i think that's the thing that i would that i i'd want to leave on that note in terms of demand creation unit is um when you're all working together and learning from one another and learning each other's crafts and skills and departments you are a better employee you're a better co-worker and you're a better representative of the brand you're a much better ambassador of the brand.
0: And clearly with double digit growth, um, that's a pretty good proof point. So uh, amazing. Very cool. I'm sure there's a a lot of good case study work that could come out of this um, to help companies take a step like this. Uh, So you might be getting some phone calls too.
1: I don't know. (laughs) Happy, happy to. Happy to share whatever learning we have. Um, Excellent.
0: Well, let's take a step back for a second because you weren't always in... This hybrid role, as you said, it's only six months old. Before that, you were the chief marketing officer, and sales was outside of your purview. Um, and then before that, actually, you didn't. E- you were in creative, right? You came from a creative background. Can you talk a little bit about your your path to how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I came on at chubani as CMO, it was, it was their first CMO, so um, you know there was no rule book. There was no Guide for it, right? So I think even when I first started four and a half years ago, I probably had more under me a CMO than than most. So you look at corporate communications and corporate affairs and crisis and community relations and our the CLT, which is our customer loyalty line, Um, and then of course you know all the uh, you know all the creative and digital social advertising marketing, and then internal communications. All of that was under me from the very beginning, which I found really interesting because it's all, what's the common denominator in all of that? It's communication, whether you're communicating to employees or you're communicating to customers or you're communicating to consumers or you're communicating to journalists or key stakeholders. It's communication about the brand and about the business. And so if I look at that, I think it's intuitive in many ways to have all of that under the CMO although it's a lot of geography and it's a lot of complexity and it's a lot of work, but I fully understand why it specialized in other companies too. So that gave me a unique opportunity at the time because Chobani was still growing up. It was probably five years, six years young at that point. And um, it didn't have silos or definitions for, for jobs and roles. You kind of just took it and did it and, Navigated as you went, right? It's just very entrepreneurial, and I loved it and thrived in it. I'm sure it's not for everyone, but I loved it. And what prepared me for that was, you know, for 20 years I was in advertising. Came in, started media, you know, very humbly. I actually started in the accounting department <laughs> um, as an intern, and then I, w- I was deemed not good enough for account management, so they put me in <laughs> local broadcast and media, in the bowels of the building. And um, I was paying invoices and making no money and absolutely miserable. Did you
0: have a stapler? It, I'm thinking of Office Space. I don't know why. Oh, I had,
1: a course, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, but I was judged by you know someone in HR at the time, like I wasn't good enough, and and that's a lesson lesson learned there too, right? So I still interview everybody to this day that works in my group. But yeah, so then I, I got into, I finally got into account management a few years later than I wanted to. And, you know, I ran huge accounts domestically, globally, and I had to work with media people and creative people and strategists and clients. So I always had that kind of nice left brain, right brain. I had a profound respect for the creative process. I understood it really well. I was an ardent ardent defender of it, but I also had that practical side that we had to sell it, we had to make money. <laughs> uh, it had to make sense. <laughs> and but it was communication. It was communication internally, to all the departments, I had to pull all that together to bring it to bear to a client. It was communication to clients to help defend it and sell it in. And that's why, you know, I think the word advertising is silly, right? It's communication and it can come in many forms. It can be through public relations, it can be through paid, owned, earned, right? but it's communication that you're doing on behalf of a brand to build equity in that brand and and uniqueness and specialness in that brand and to drive purchase intent to grow. And so if you think about it, when I came to Chobani, so suddenly thrust into this and we're in a recall and I have crisis under me and corporate communications and corporate affairs and community relations and government relations. And, and yeah, I get, you know, Trying to do the marketing stuff, which I thought was, you know, more in my wheelhouse, and I was doing the advertising stuff, which I knew well. It's all communication. It's all packaging things. It's all finding ways to communicate things in a compelling way. And when you look at it that way, it kind of makes sense that that would be all under a CMO, because I think first and foremost, a great CMO should be a great communicator on behalf of the company, both internally and externally. I think at the core, you cannot be an effective CMO if you can't communicate in a very creative, compelling way key things about the company, the brand, the products you make, the services you render. Which is why I, you know, I also love in this demand creation unit that the borders are porous, and we have salespeople going into marketing, and marketing people going into sales, because in the end of the day, we're all communicators, and we're all we're all salespeople, right? If you're making a piece of packaging, you're selling something. If you're making the food, you're selling something. If you're making the advertising, you're selling something. If you're doing the press release, you're selling something, uh, in its most rudimentary form, right? So we're all salespeople in the end, and and what are Great salespeople, they're great communicators. So that's kind of the way I look at the world. It, you know, again, not for everybody. That's kind of the way we look at it here. The way I look at it, um, you know, in its most basic form.
0: Uh, it's fantastic. And <clears throat> I remember when we were chatting last year. It's interesting because this actually came up in the podcast with Bruce Rogers as well, where he actually called you out as a CMO plus. So that was a fun term, and he gave you a big hats off to your efforts. But we were talking about culture, and I remember when you and I were talking about this same topic last year, you said, really, that's, you know, that's almost like your secret weapon, because you have such a unique, inspiring culture at Chobani that it really brings everybody together in a very unique way, but also attracts really great talent to your team. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, we have a culture of challenging convention and challenging ourselves, and and challenging our competitors. And I think challenge and challenger is a big part of our culture. And that's pretty cool because you're going to push yourself. You're going to push boundaries. It's inherently creative. It's inherently curious, right? If that's what your culture is, is to challenge convention, your competition, challenge conventional wisdom. You need to be deeply curious. You need to be competitive. You need to be very creative and you got to have kind of an entrepreneurial spirit that's alive and well in you and that creates an environment that's exciting and that's innovative and that's inspiring it also creates an environment where of no fear because we want to do things differently we want to break down barriers we want to challenge convention and By virtue of doing that, you're going to do things differently and you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. And I think that when that's acceptable, it brings the best out in ever people. Um, When they feel like they're not boxed in and they feel like they don't have any legacy or any luggage or any boundaries, they are their most creative self and their most inspirational self. And when they also feel like they can make some mistakes along the way, just don't repeat them. I mean, I had an old boss once tell me like half of what I do is wrong, but I do a lot, right? And so, <laughs> so that's a great culture. And a lot of that comes from our founder, right? We're a founder-led company. And um, it's okay to make mistakes as long as we're moving forward. And as long as we're having some fun. And as long as we don't repeat them and we learn from them. It's a beautiful thing. And so this culture fosters collaboration. It fosters creativity it fosters innovation, it fosters speed. Speed, which is a weapon. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what modern brands are held to a higher standard, in my opinion. And you got to have a culture that celebrates that and you got to have a structure in place that perpetuates that. And that's where I think we are with this demand creation unit.
0: No, I think that's great. You pretty much have It sounds like almost all of the company now underneath you in this wonderful role that you've brought everybody together. And you mentioned that you still take time to interview all the candidates yourself, which brings up HR. How do you work with your HR department to ensure that you're finding the right candidates or that you're attracting them to Giovanni and that that culture that you've now helped inspire uh, maintains its course?
1: Yeah, so I think I'm very involved in orientation. So all the orientation materials, which are are what the brand stands for and what our culture is all about, that comes out of the creative department and demand creation. So I think that ensures everybody's on the same page in terms of what the brand stands for and in terms of what the culture is all about. But I work very closely with HR because in the end, it's a talent business. Yes, we make yogurt. Our business is wellness. We want to do good things, right? Nutritional wellness, which is what we're doing with no kid hungry and save the children and a lot of our foundation work and what we did recently in Puerto Rico. And then there's, you know, community and social wellness, which is all the community stuff we do day in and day out, all the inclusion work and refugee work we do. And then there's environmental wellness. That's what the, that's the company stands for. Um, And so I work very closely. I partner with our HR department every day so that they know what the demand creation department's all about, that they're fully immersed in what the brand is all about. And because in the end of the day, we're people based business and it's all about talent. And so recruiting is a critical part of what we're all about. So is retention by the way, but I don't, interview everybody because I don't trust our HR department or our people department. I do it because a, I want to meet the people that are going to be part of the department. Cause I think culture and fit is important. I do it because I want them to hear my perspective of what Giovanni's all about. And I do it because I feel like I know the most about what, we're looking for. I think leaders should take an active role in recruiting, retaining, and training. And so I am very involved in all three of those. So,
0: so Peter, you were talking about all of these wonderful initiatives that you have uh, going on with Javani And I was wondering if you could take a quick moment before we get to our last question to talk about Your recent anniversary and the efforts that you have with No Kid Hungry?
1: Yeah. So, you know, what do you do when you're 10 years young? I I think that was kind of the question we kept asking ourselves. And not really, you know, an anniversary type of company. And we're 10 years young, not 10 years old. And we don't want to tell everyone how old we are. Uh, That didn't seem right. I mean, we're kind of young and restless as a company. And so, what do you do? And we said, well, why don't we give like half off all of our products? I kind of said, eh, that's just going to get people who currently buy our products to buy us on discount and deal. And that doesn't seem right. It kind of seems small. doesn't seem very generous. We've always been about better food for more people. What if we crossed out more and just made it all better food for all people? We just gave away our products for free for three weeks. Any one of our products. You want a drink, you can have that for free A Flip. A two-pack smooth, which is two dollars, a drink, which is two dollars, our core product. Whatever it is you like, whatever it is you want, you can have it for free, and we'll let anyone in America have one and put no cap on it. Said that feels good. It feels very Chobani, and it feels inclusive, and it feels very much on founding vision and mission. It'll have a good impact on the category. You know, when you're a category leader, you have to be a good custodian of the category and a curator of the category and that could help bring some specialness back to the category it could help increase household penetration of the category yogurt penetration is still relatively low yogurt consumptions in the u.s is half the per capita consumption of europe 25 percent less in canada so that could get more people to consume yogurt and you know yeah i could get some competitors try us and maybe they stick with us but I could get people who don't eat yogurt to try and imagine if we kept half of those or a third of those, what that would do to the category consumption, household penetration, and of course, Javani. And then we could have some fun with it. And then what if we partnered with No Kid Hungry and Save the Children, and which again, we do this stuff anyway as part of our DNA, our foundation's very, very active, and amplified it in a way that just more people have access to better food. And we kind of just all said, that feels right. And so we set out to do this. And it's hard to give away free yogurt, I learned. <laughs> as, as, you know, It sounds easy, it's hard, there are dairy laws, there's limitations at the customer level, there's limitations online, there's limitations in your ability to communicate that through you know legal issues and FCC issues and all that kind of stuff. And it was an incredible learning process. And in the end, we got there. Millions of people visiting our website. Millions of people printing out free coupons. We're handing out millions of free coupons. And you know, in in some ways, it's kind of an old school, traditional approach here. Yes, you can ask Alexa, and she will get you a free cup. But a lot of this is demos and handing out coupons and and having people drive to your website and print free coupons, because that's the mechanism in which you can get the vast majority of America to have access to it. And so it's not the most modern marketing campaign we've ever done, but I think that's okay. We did the campaign needed to get the most free yogurt to the most people. And it was a great learning experience and people are loving it. And then you have, we've had so many inquiries through earned and we've been on Ellen twice in in two weeks because of this, because it's good. People want to hear good things. People want to tell good stories, right? We live in a cynical world. We live in a tough world. Um, and we were on Good Morning America yesterday talking about it. And, uh, and you know, we had 8 billion earned PR media impressions because of this, about giving away yogurt for free. doesn't even make any sense. That, I'm not even talking about the paid efforts we're doing. 8 billion earned media impressions, uh, which it... it blew my expectation away because it's our anniversary giveaway for yogurt. Well, you know what? People really like it. It's a great gesture. It's a good deed. People want to write about it. People want to hear about it. So it's been it's been wonderful. And, and I'm super proud of it. And it's been incredibly exciting for the company because all the factory workers are involved in it and they know they're making yogurt that's going to be given away to everyone in America, no matter what your Demographic is, psychographic is, geographic area, what your socioeconomic condition is. And so it, it, it's just been incredibly prideful all throughout the company, all levels of the company. And um, I think consumers have had fun. We've had fun. And it just felt right from a Chobani perspective.
0: Well, that's an amazing initiative. And I, I do hope that, and I'm sure you will be sharing even more on the results in terms of how many kids you were able to feed. Cause I that has a very special place in my heart, and much needed, and definitely well earned exposure to what Chibani is doing. So, thank you for that effort. Well, and thank you. Yes, and please share some results uh, later. So I will. I promise. Great, great, and I would love to ask you a million more questions, but unfortunately, we we are out of time. So I have one last one for you. Sure. So, if you weren't doing what you're doing today, what would you be doing?
1: I would write. I'd write a travel book, or I'd run a restaurant. My two favorite things.
0: <laughs> two favorite things. Well, they kind of go hand in hand, don't
1: they? Uh, they could. I could. I could weave the two. I could do both. Um, I could run a restaurant and write a travel book. Um, I think that's where I'd be. I'd I love to travel. I've flown seven and a half million miles. I've been to sixty-eight countries. I think it, it's great for your creativity and your imagination and your empathy and your sympathy and your relatability to travel Um, and I love food that's why I I like working for a food company too and making really good food and making it available to everyone Chobani's vision of, of better food for more people just fits with kind of what I've always been all about I'd humbly run a restaurant and I'd write a travel book and that would make me very happy
0: wow okay so that is so cool um, now that I've asked this question, uh, at the end of a couple of, well, actually at the end of every podcast, I can tell you unequivocally that you and Seth Barberman need to have a meet and greet and bring Barbara Messing to the table. So
1: <laughs> that's funny. Cool. That's Thanks, Nadine.
0: Thank you, Peter. Have a super day.
1: Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Hey. Bye-bye. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content, so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing.